of games. And uh, I want to encourage all of our men to be sure to sign up and participate uh, in our men's breakfast that's going to be October the 17th. We're going to be introducing some things to you, and I encourage you men to be a part of that. Also, the last Wednesday of this month, the last Wednesday of this month, the first three Wednesdays in November, we're going to be doing something a little bit different. Uh, we're going to be doing a women's and men's breakout. The ladies will be in the sanctuary. The men will be out in the gym so that we can not just hear the words of the Lord, but that we may gather together, strengthen and encourage one another and get to know each other. How many know that we, we've got to have, in order to have relationship, we've got to, we've got to come together? And so let me encourage you. I, I, would, I would assure you that this is going to be an enriching time, and it's going to be a time that you don't want to miss. So tonight, let's look here in uh, James, the fifth chapter, and then 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter. Father, we love you, and we thank you tonight for your mercy. Lord God, we thank you for your great grace tonight. Lord, I ask in the name of Jesus that you would enable me, Father, to minister the truth of your word. Lord, we need you tonight. We need you in this hour, in Jesus' name. I want to minister a message to you tonight, simply this. The difference one can make. The difference one can make. James, the fifth chapter in the 16th verse says, Confess your trespasses to one another so that we may gossip about you and have something to talk about. Oh, y'all are leaving a different translation. Confess your trespasses, some say faults, one to another, that you may, and pray for one another, that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruits. I'd like to read that verse 17 out of the Passion Translation. It says it this way, Elijah was a man with human frailties like all of us, but he prayed and received supernatural answers. Amen. Let me ask you this question before we read our next verse. Are you a part of the human race? This is interaction. Are you a part of the human race? Was Elijah part of the human race? He was a man. You're a man, you're a woman in this house tonight. So we're all a part of the human race. So what we see here is God uses humanity to fulfill his will. Now let's look here in 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter, beginning with the seventh verse. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Wow. Can you see there? 
in that passage that we have this treasure in earthen vessels. But then he goes on to say these things. He says that we are, we, we are hard-pressed on every side, yet we're not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Let me ask you, according to this verse and this verse alone, how is that even possible? The earthen vessel that is so frail, how is it keeping from just imploding, exploding because of all of the internal, external pressures that are being put upon that? What is keeping that vessel safe? Am I going to have to answer my own question? <laughs> Pressed, but not crushed. Persecuted, but not abandoned. It, things begin to, begin to squeeze in on every side, and that frail earthen vessel is not crushed. According to that scripture, let me ask the question again, why? treasure that's inside the vessel there is a treasure inside the vessel who knows who the treasure is Jesus is the pressure I assure you you need this word that I'm sharing with you right now because there is nothing but discouragement and despair all around us it, there's nothing but fear and, and anxiety and frustration and separation when you look at the world there's not a lot of hope that is on the horizon. There is a lot of despair that's taking place all around us. But I'll say to you, you have been made to make a difference in this world, even in this climate that we're in right now. And you need confidence of knowing who it is that lives on the inside of you. Now, I would encourage you, don't try to fight your battles alone. Always go to the Lord first, but not just go to the Lord. You need to be a part of the body of Christ. We need one another encouragement. I can't tell you the number of times that I have been in situations where it seemed gloom and despair, where it seemed like there was no hope on the horizon, and then just a, a, a word come from somebody out of the blue, a text message, a, an encouragement, something just right when I needed it at the right time that I needed it, and it changed everything. That's not the message tonight, but that leads into the, uh, the times of that we, uh, the breakouts that we're going to be doing. But let me say to you tonight, you need to take courage because there's a reason why Paul could write this to the church at Corinth. The reason why the church was not going to be crushed by the external circumstance, why the church could have confidence, is because of the treasure, the vessel I've heard my wife teach so many times, the vessel is protected by the treasure. And when you take the treasure and you put it in the vessel, now that vessel becomes valuable. Now, I came in, and fortunately my wife has everything that I need when I need it. And I said, hey, you got a box about three inches by three inches, and could you, give me a, a, could you get me a box or something that size? She said, well, I just happen to have one. Amazingly enough, do you know this box right here cost about 28 cents online? She didn't pay for it. Somebody gave it to her. But if you were to go purchase this box, it's going to cost you, if you buy a pack of 25, it's going to cost you 28 cents. 
Now, inside here, I have something that you're going to want to see. It is the most valuable, biggest diamond ever found in a diamond mine. Do you believe it? What in the world? Do I lie to you so much you don't believe me anymore? Not probable. Well, actually, there was a diamond that was found that weighed over 30, ladies, imagine the ring, 3,100 carats. It was the Cullinan diamond that was found in South Africa. And that diamond was discovered in 1905. It would weigh, a, that diamond would weigh a whopping 1.3 pounds. Did you get that email that I sent you earlier, Michael? Oh, that's all right. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it now. So, I'm sorry. Um, I should have texted you earlier. But that diamond literally looked just like that. No, it didn't. It was about the size of a tennis ball. You couldn't bounce it because it just lay there. But it was about the size of a tennis ball. You know what the worth of that, what the value of that diamond would be today? And I don't care who you are, this is a lot of money. Two billion dollars. Two billion dollars. But I say to you, you have a treasure worth far more than two billion dollars. You got, a, you got a treasure living on the inside of you that can give eternal life to other people. You have a treasure inside of you that can cause the dead to walk, or the dead to come alive, and the lame to walk, the deaf to hear, and the, and the blinded eyes to see. You have inside of you something so much more valuable than any monetary goods that we could accumulate, and that includes a $2 million diamond. $2 billion. I just check and see if you're listening. Two billion dollars, and it's about the size, of, look it up, the Cullinan diamond. And unfortunately, they broke it into nine other separate diamonds after it was gifted to the King of England in 1905. But the largest one now is, is worth about 400 million, and the whole collection is, is who knows what. But could you imagine for a minute, and I'm just using your imagination, am I holding in my hand here a two- billion dollar diamond in a 28 cent box now this 28 cents box you can get buy them in quantities of 25 online for seven bucks but what happens when you take this two billion dollar diamond do you see it now can you see it some of you are still seeing a tennis ball come on now can you see this diamond? Thank you. Otherwise, we're going to get stuck there and not get any further for the rest of the night, and you're going to miss the vice presidential debate. All right. That's actually a replica, but I wanted you to see the size of it. Go to that next slide, if you will. This is the gentleman I'm, I'm guessing that found it. Do you see it? Anyway, there you, there you have it. What happens, folks? When you take $2 billion diamond and stick it in a 28-cent box, you know what you now have? A 2 billion 28-cent 
What makes this box valuable? If I take the treasure out of it, is this box? This is me. This is you. But when you take Jesus and you put Jesus in us, wait just a minute. Wait just a minute. Now there's a value beyond imagination. And if we, the people of God, would begin to understand the holy inhabitant that lives inside of our heart, we don't have time to be discouraged, despaired, despondent, or any other avenue of the deeds. What we have is a divine appointment with the living God, and we can make a difference in our world all around us. There is opportunity for difference makers like you to begin to realize that you have a treasure inside of you. And that treasure is life-giving. That treasure is altering people, altering nations. And Oh, that we would come to that revelation. In the midst of our flaws, our frailty, and our frustration, God still chooses to use you and I. He places the precious, heavenly, divine, faultless, beautiful treasure in these faulty vessels. This tells us that the treasure is greater than the vessel. The Lord is confident in his ability to fulfill his purpose in his people. Amen. If we don't put any confidence in the flesh, our confidence is in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this is the way I need to see myself. Right here. I'm a box that's empty. Now, I'm not saying that I'm not worth something to Christ or my family, or my church, or my community. But what I'm saying is without the treasure, I'm just an ordinary three-by-three three cardboard box. And that's all I want to be. Because when the excellency of the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ comes in, now it's not about me. It's about the priceless treasure that's in me. It's him. It's him. And now I stop trying to guard myself, and I just trust in the treasure that's guarding me. I stop trying to encourage myself because now I got the encourager living on the inside of me. I don't worry about the storm on the outside because I've got the peace living on the inside. There's a treasure in the earthen vessels. We are called the church of Jesus Christ. Now, why is it important for us to see this and to know this? It's because, church, we can and will make a difference, the difference that one person can make. Think about Elijah. Elijah we see as a powerful prophet of God. He's a man who called fire down from heaven. He's the man that went out and slew all of the prophets of Baal, all of the prophets of Asheroth. He's the one that cried out to God and the Lord brought the fire and it consumed the, the, the sacrifice on the altar. He saw the coming out of the sea, a, a cloud of the size of a man's hand. He outrun a chariot, a chariot marathon, 20 miles he ran to the city. And he saw all those miraculous things in an outpouring of rain 
after he had prayed and God sent it. But he was not a man without fault. He was not a man without flaws. In fact, Elijah was a brooder. Elijah was a man given to fits of melancholy. He was a man who left would have been very hard to follow. Would you agree? You stay here. That servant said, gladly. And he went on. Went 40 days out and found himself in the midst of a cave just, just overwhelmed with melancholy. I'm the only one, Lord. I'm the only one, Lord. I'm the only one. Lord said, you're not finished. Go call Elisha. He goes to Elisha, drops his mantle upon him, and then turns and, as Elisha comes after him and says, what have I done to you? Go on. Elisha went and settled his business, followed Elijah. Everywhere Elijah went, he tried to leave Elisha. Angel, I don't know how you're a, it's a faithful man. He's a loyal man. But if I kept trying to leave him everywhere I went, he might decide not to go any further. <laughs> stay here. I'm going with you. Stay here. I'm going with you. I want you to stay at Bethel. No, I'm not staying there. Stay at Jericho. I'm not staying there either. Elisha. So Elijah kept pushing away. Elisha kept after him. He had to be a hard man to follow. But still, God used him. Let me tell you, what you find out with people who have very high highs, they have very low lows. It's inevitable. God will use those particular individuals in extreme measures. But let me tell you, we don't look at humanity and think they are faultless. If we had to walk in this room with complete perfection in order to be used of God, we would none of us would meet the mark. What makes the difference in a child of God and one who is outside is their heart condition. And I'm not telling you, you need to contend you and God would use people living in sin. What I'm saying to you is those whose heart have been given to God even though you don't have all the faculties all the reasoning skills all of the ability the ability the reasoning skills and the power have been put inside of you he is the treasure and you can make a difference in your world we have the treasure in earthen vessels it's the treasure folks that's protecting us we have this mentality so many times that when I get more I'll give more when I become more I'll do more when I become confident then I will fulfill the call of God let me tell you it doesn't work that way let me tell you how it does work is stepping out in obedient faith and God will begin to use you don't wait until you reach perfection before you start doing anything for the kingdom of God. Start now with what you have. I was reading some stories today, and I ran across the story of David Wilkerson. Everybody know David Wilkerson? If you don't, you'll, you'll understand him a little, little bit more. Just from a small East Texas town not far from here. David Wilkerson was actually pastoring in Pennsylvania, a small rural community back in the late 50s and as he's up there he, he is sitting down at night and he's watching the late show as he's watching the late show he had this thought I believe that was invoked by heaven 
Wonder what would happen if I sold my television and I spent this time in prayer. This was testified of, of, of David Wilkerson. And so he did that. He sold his television. And from 12 midnight till 2 a.m. each night, he would pray. One night he's praying, and there's a Life magazine sitting on his desk. He kept being drawn to this Life magazine. And then finally, he thought, well, this is just a fleshly indulgence to get me away from prayer. But he couldn't, he couldn't escape this drawing to this live magazine. So he went and picked it up, and he looked at the cover of it, and he started looking at the faces of the, of the article about these seven boys on trial for murder in New York. He wasn't excusing their crimes, but he was looking at the depictions of their faces, and he was so overwhelmed by the anger and the loneliness and the confusion of these boys who were part of this gang on trial for murder that he felt compelled that he had to go to New York and do something. So he gets up and he goes to New York. He tells his wife the following week, he said, I'm going to New York, and he takes his associate with him, goes to the courthouse. He's over on the other side of the street, picks up the phone, calls the district attorney and says, I would like to meet, to see these boys that are in custody. He said, you can't see them without the judge's permission. Well, I'll get the judge's permission, but the judge wouldn't answer his call. So he goes into the courtroom. As he's in the courtroom, now he thinks, well, the only way I'm going to be able to speak to that judge is i got to go up there. I drove all the way up here. I'm going to go up there and see him. So towards the end of the day, he starts towards the bench. Sir, sir, may I speak with you? Unbeknownst to him, there had been threats from other gang members against this judge. So the judge thought he was part of this gang. They grab him and start dragging him out of the courtroom. As he comes out, there is a famous picture of him standing there preacher gets ejected from the courtroom and he's standing there holding his bible and this was such a publicized murder trial that all the newspaper reporters there as he's holding his bible well he goes back home discouraged now his church is mad at him because he's gone up there and made a spectacle of himself but what was more disturbing to him is that even though he felt this from his congregation, he felt overwhelmed. I got to go back. So the next week he goes back and he calls the, uh, the, the, the warden or the, the jailer and he says, I want to see these boys. He said, you can't see those boys without their parents' permission. He said, well, give me their names and addresses. Click. So he finds the newspaper he gets the names of the of the boys and he starts calling the first name of the first one on the list he opens up the phone book and starts calling and calling is this your son no is this your son no is this your son no that particular name had 150 names he said this is not gonna work he hung up the phone he ran out of dimes he got in his car he drove around he said Lord I don't know what to do I just don't know what to do I was in prayer I felt compelled I came up here so he's driving around he gets tired of driving and he pulls over and gets out he sees this boy on the street 
He said, son, do you know such and such? Oh, yeah, I know him. New York City. You know this boy? Yeah. Do you know where he lives? Yeah, he lives right there. Apartment, fourth floor, apartment so-and-so. So David looks up. Thank you, Jesus. He goes up to the apartment, knocks on the door, and the dad of this young man who's on trial for murder is sitting in the room, and David walks into the room, and the, and the father says, I have been praying, knowing that you would show up to my apartment. So before the night's over, he has the permission from all seven boys to see these boys. So he takes it the next morning, but guess what? They won't let him in. So he goes back home discouraged even more. Lord, what am I doing? Two weeks later, he shows up in New York. He said, you know what, Lord? I think, the, I think your vision is bigger than my vision. He said, I think that maybe you have something in store for me, and it's not just these seven boys. It may be multiple boys. And so he starts walking the street. But you remember that photo that was snapped of him, that was plastered on every newspaper in New York City because of this trial. Guess what? As he's walking in these, these areas, uh, people were saying, hey, preach, what's up? Hey, preach, you're one of us. Next thing you know, 50 parishes get together and say, we want you, David, to hold a crusade for the young people in our area. Would you come and do that? So 5,000 gathered in this arena as he ministered the gospel. Long story short, he started a radio program, a church. He started a, a program called Teen Challenge, which now has 1,100 sinners in 82 countries around the world because a man thought, you know, I need to pray and see what God wants me to do. And God had something in store for him. Let me say, if we want to understand what God wants from us in these last days, then folks, we need to seek the face of God and say, Lord, I am available. My hands are yours. My feet are yours. My mouth is yours. My bank account is yours. All of the treasures that I have are, that are so feeble. Lord, I give them to you. If you can use anybody, Lord, you can use me. God. If you can use Elijah to call fire down from heaven, then Lord God, you can use Crossroads, Assembly of God, to call fire down from heaven. Lord, if you can take Dave Wilkerson that grew up in Lindale, Texas, or whatever that region, that area in East Texas, and take him all the way to New York, Lord God, you've got some program starters here. You've got some revivalists in the house. Lord, we can. Do something for the kingdom of God. But let me tell you, the greatest recruiter for the kingdom is the king. The greatest one who can facilitate all that is inside of you is the king himself. And if you'll seek after God, if you'll cry out to God, if you'll just give him what you got, you will discover he'll use what you have. And he'll use it to the nth degree. Because it's not me that is causing the, 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 the protection of my life and my family. And I can't even open my box now. I've lost my mind. Let me see. This is us. This is us. 
those of you that might have showed up late, this is a $2 billion diamond. It looks like a tennis ball made by Wilson, but it's not. It's a $2 billion diamond that bounces. But anyway, you take the $2 billion, put it with the $0.28, cents, you got $2 billion, $0.28. Cents. And you know what? That diamond does not want to leave that box. That box does not want to let go of that diamond. I want to hold on to that treasure. And you know what? If I give that treasure to someone else, it doesn't take from my treasure. It only adds to it. Because Jesus is the treasure. Elijah. Elijah. A man who had frailties just like you and I. A man who had frailties just like you and I. Let me, let me tell you why the devil does not want you to be encouraged. You know what the simple reason is? It's because he's more effective in your life when you're discouraged. When you're discouraged, you're, you're not looking up, you're looking down. When you're discouraged, you, you don't have a bounce in your step, you have a weight on your shoulder. When you're discouraged, all you can think about is what I am able to do or not do. But when you're encouraged in the Lord, and you understand where the treasure abides, you're no longer discouraged. You're encouraged. He has infused you with courage. And what you didn't think you could do before, now you believe you can. And you know full well that Dave, David Wilkerson did not do that in and of himself. He just obeyed, just like Elijah, who was a man, obeyed the Lord, and he cried out to God, and God poured out his spirit. I got so much more, but I'm going to save it. But I want to share this, sounds like feeble story, but in light of the grandeur of the gentleman that I just spoke about, it's just a little story about a boy on the seashore. After a big storm, all these starfish swept up on the shore. I've heard and told this story a dozen times, but it's still a reminder to me. As this elder man was out there, he's walking the shoreline, and he sees all of these starfish that are laying there, and some of the birds are coming and picking them up and carrying them off. And There's this little boy that's picking up starfish and throwing them back in the ocean. I mean, there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them all on the shoreline. The older man came to the boy and he said, son, what are you doing? What difference can you make? As soon as the sun comes out, it's going gonna, it's gonna to kill these starfish. The, and what it doesn't kill, the bird's going to eat. What difference are you going to make? He picked up another starfish and threw it. He said, well, it made difference to that one. I thank God for the people that have crossed my path that I was assured going to be destroyed by the elements that I was living in, or the fowls of the air were going to devour me. But they came along, and they put me back in a place of safety, in an environment that I could flourish in. 
There is many a person on the shores of life that are looking for you to make a difference. But if we are overcome by the arena that God has called us to, and we are discouraged, we will become despondent to the call of God. We need one another. Because God uses men, He uses women to fulfill the call in the human race. Elijah was a man. When a human need arises, God does not look to governments nor to multitudes. He looks to individuals. When he wanted to start a nation, he chose one man and one woman, Abraham and Sarah. When he needed a nation preserved, he chose one man, and that is Joseph. When he sought to deliver a nation, he chose one man, that was Moses. When he sought to bring salvation to every nation, he chose one man, and his name is Jesus. Let me tell you the answer, the human need is in this room today. Could you imagine, I'm roughly guesstimating 40, 50 people in this room tonight. Maybe I'm stretching it a bit. We'll say 40. What if these 40 people in this room influence 10 people for the cause of Christ? That 40 becomes 400. Good night. What if that 400 influenced 10 other people in a lifetime, in a year, in a decade? I don't know, just, just imagine with me. What if, is my math right? If you take 400 and those 10 influence 10 people, then all of a sudden you've got 4,000. But what if that 4,000 now, they became influencers and they influenced people for the kingdom of God. And so you add another zero and now you got 40,000. Now 40,000 and another 10 being influenced by each one and you got 400 and then 4 million, then 4 billion. Folks, do you see why the enemy wants you discouraged? Because if he can discourage you, he can stop the moving of the Spirit of God in us and through us because we're hunkered down, held up, trying to protect what we got instead of reaching out, reaching forward and saying, oh my God, what can we do for the kingdom of God? You are made to make a difference. Oh, what a difference one can make. People are watching you. People have their eyes on you. Not just a, a one-off. People will give you grace. I thank God for grace. Preachers wouldn't make it without grace. We fumble over our words. We stick our feet in our, in our mouth. We chew on our toes. We just do it. We make mistakes, but when people love you, they give you grace. I thank God for grace. See, folks, it's not the mistake that you make. It's the consistency of your life that people are watching. Your faithfulness, your steadfast. How you deal when you get knocked down? Do you get up again? Do you keep going? Do you keep praying? Do you keep pursuing? Do you keep encouraging? 
You keep reaching out. You keep calling. You keep, you keep lifting people before the, it's those things. That's the area people watch. But let me say to you tonight as we close in prayer, I want to be brave enough myself to say, God, I'll go where you send me. I'll say what you tell me. I'll do what you instruct. Make me brave. Let me help someone. Let me encourage someone. Let me be an influencer in somebody's life. Would you agree with me as we stand tonight? God, give me 10. Give me 10 people. Give me 10 people, God, to influence. Give me 10 people, Lord, to encourage. Give me 10 people, Lord God, that'll, that, Lord, will come into the kingdom of God. Lord, just, Lord, we're, we're asking for 10. Lord, I believe you want to give us 10,000, but, Lord, we want to start with 10. Just give us 10. Just, just give us one. Lord, we'll take one. We'll start out with one. God, let us be a, a difference maker in the lives of, Lord, individuals, Lord God, that are in and around us, Lord. Father, let, Lord God, let us understand that it is our prayers, Lord God, that, Lord, can influence, Lord, that can bring heaven's treasure to others, Lord God. It's our prayers. It's our life. It's our words. It's our actions, Lord God. And, Lord, we pray tonight, Almighty God, Lord, for a nation that is such dire need, Lord God, of transformation. Lord God, when you decided to transform a nation, Lord God, you called men, you called individuals. There were 12 disciples. One was a betrayer. But Lord God, that 11 arose and chose a 12th. And Lord God, they went out and they rocked the world that was around them, Lord. And the church was furthered. And by the outpouring of the Spirit of God, Lord, if we could just make ourselves a funnel for the kingdom of God, that your Spirit may flow through us. Lord God, we understand that we are flawed, that Lord God we have failed, Lord God that we are in dire need of you but Lord we do not want to be swept away by fear any longer Lord we don't want to be swept away Lord God by propaganda, Lord we want to stand our watch Lord God make our petitions known to you and Lord God be Lord your light and your witness Lord I pray Father that you would put such an urging in us as you did the psalmist, I will not be be satisfied. I will not be satisfied until I awaken your likeness, oh God. Lord, let your treasure, Lord God, secure your vessels, Lord. And Lord, let there be a breakthrough, Lord. If there needs to come a breakdown first, Lord, then God, let there be a breakdown. But God, we've got to get a breakthrough, Lord God, in the house of the Lord, in the times of prayer. Lord God, bend us, oh Lord. Bend us, oh Lord God. Lord, we ask in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that Lord God, every spirit of discouragement, Lord God, that have come upon the people of Crossroads Assembly of God, let that discouraging spirit be broken in the name of the Lord. You will not disconnect us from the one who has given us all strength, all confidence, and all courage. And in the name of Jesus Christ Almighty, I pray tonight that you would sweep, Father God, through this land with your spirit. Spirit, oh God, and Lord, we pray, let us realize that, Lord, we are 28-cent boxes, 
But, Lord, you're the $2 billion, Lord God, precious, Lord God, prize that lives inside of us. Lord, we thank you tonight. With you, Lord God, without you, we can do nothing. Through you, Lord God, we can do all things. In Christ, who strengthens us. We love you. We magnify you. We pray, Father God, for the Supreme Court justice confirmation. Lord, to be secure before these elections. We pray, Almighty God, for the debate tonight. That, Lord, that thy will be done, that your favor, Lord God, will rest. We pray tonight, Almighty God, that we as a nation, Lord, would fall upon our face and cry out to you. We pray, Father God, for righteousness to rule in our nation, for lives of unborn children to be, to be saved, that marriages, Lord God, may be restored, that people's health and wealth and well-being, Lord God. Lord, we pray for your kingdom in America, your kingdom in the United States, your kingdom in the world. Father, we love you. We thank you tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We love you. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being here tonight. Be encouraged. We'll see you back again on Sunday. God bless.